0: We're glad you're listening. So if if one of your coworkers or your neighbors came up to you and said, wait a second, I, I hear that you go to church. Why, why do you go to church? What's the purpose of church? I mean, what is church for and who is it for? How would you answer that? As Ben said, there's been a lot of paradigm shifts about what is church and Does online church count and and what what does this look like? There's a lot of people that I've talked to around the country over the last year that have said, you know what, I kind of like staying in my pajamas until 2 o'clock on a Sunday and I kind of like staying in my slippers and just watching church and then getting on with the rest of my day. I don't know if it's worth getting dressed up and going to a place and doing this and then going home. Is it really worth it? So I would ask you, because this is a very real question, if someone said to you, why do you go through all the effort? Why do church? What would you say? So what I'd like for you to do, and this is very Renew-like, I actually want you to talk. And so we're going to interact just for about three minutes. Just turn to the person next to you or somebody behind you, and, if, and just answer that. like If someone asked you, why do you go to church? What's the purpose of church? Who is it for? What is it for? How would you answer? You have three minutes. You ready? Go. All right, if you could just turn your chairs back forward. So I'd love for us to take some time to do that, but that would take probably the rest of the day. But if you're sticking around for lunch, I think that's a fantastic conversation to continue to have about what you all shared. Maybe even over lunch, say, what did you share in your group? Here's what we shared. But because there's been so much confusion about what is church and what is the purpose of church, I want to take a few minutes to just talk about what it's not. Because sometimes you can learn what something is by what it's not. You know, Church is not a chance for us to huddle and cuddle so that we can buffer ourselves against the world, even though there are some people that think that. It's not an opportunity to be engaged in religious busyness for a bunch of bored Christians although some people think that's what church is about. I mean, one, someone asked me recently, is this just about attend church, volunteer, attend a small group, tithe, invite your friends, rinse and repeat? Or is there something more? It is not about trying to make us feel better about ourselves with religious entitlement and therefore make other people feel lousy about their lives either. I don't know if anybody uh, is a fan of The Simpsons. I don't watch a ton of The Simpsons, but this one episode really sticks out. If you're not familiar with The Simpsons, Ned and Maud Flanders, they're sort of the, the religious folks uh, that are on the show, devoutly religious Christians, the kind of Christians that give Jesus a bad name. And one day Bart says to Ned, he says, so where has Maud been? And Ned's reply was, oh she's at Bible camp this weekend learning how to be more judgmental. <laughs> And we laugh at that, but that's a lot of what the world thinks about the church. It's also not a place where we get our needs met as if church is some sort of spiritual filling station. We were starting this church 13 years ago. We were together, and there was someone on our team that used a phrase they said, We can't commit, we can't be tempted to fall into Goldilocks Christianity. And what she meant is that so many people say, well, this church is too big. This one's too small. Oh, this one's just right. Oh, this one's too hot. This one's too cold. Oh, this one's just right. That's not what church is about, about trying to find our perfect little Goldilocks fit for what we want to do. I mean, can you imagine the early church, the early Christians gathering together in Jerusalem and saying, oh, Nathaniel's preaching this weekend. I think we'll stay at the lake for the weekend. The worship leader, uh, he, he's now starting to blow all of these contemporary praise songs in his ram's horn. And we really miss all the traditional ram's horn songs. Can you imagine? It's crazy. It's also not a time for Christian pep rallies either. Instead, it's to pay attention to God, to focus on Him, to respond appropriately with other people who are committed to doing the same thing. And sadly, all these things that I mentioned of what it's not are what so many churches actually are. And we made the commitment from the very beginning that even with great sacrifice, we would be a different kind of church. Not because we're cool and trying to be inventive and innovative and make something up. But of what we believe that Jesus was talking about of this idea of the church. And so we need to ask ourselves, what is the church for anyway? And so there was a core team of us 13 years ago that developed this, and we've got some core team members here. The Gribbons are here who are part of that, and Lauren when he was single, uh, and Dwayne and Ange, when, or actually just Dwayne before he even met Ange, Michael Phelps, I mean, there are all they're these other people. And as we gathered together, there was one question I threw out, and I said, what is the point of a Sunday morning service? I mean, why do we do that? And they looked at me like I had three heads. I said, that's easy. And we met in the Boys and Girls Club tutoring rooms on the little squatty chairs. And there's a whiteboard there. And I said, well, fine. What is it? And I picked up the marker and I said, let's write it up there. And someone said, "It's, it's, uh, it's to teach. Okay. All right. Teach. Someone said, well, it's really to reach the lost. All right. Reach the lost. Someone said, well, it's to equip the saints. All right, equip the saints. Someone said, no, no, it's to worship. It's not just teaching. It's to worship and respond to God. Okay, worship and respond to God. Someone said, I'm open to teaching, but I kind of forget how good God is. I need to be reminded every week when I've forgotten that I can trust God. Okay, it's a reminder. And I looked back at them, and some of you may remember this, and I said, I thought you all said this was easy. There's 13 answers up here. So I said, what is it? And they said, I don't know, tell us. And I said, I don't know either. But we better figure it out now and not assume we should just do it. So we're gonna do the hard work to figure out what is it, no matter how long it takes. And some, some, some of you may remember this. After four times together, four Sundays together for two hours each, almost eight hours of discussion, people were getting frustrated. Just tell us, come on. And I said, I'm figuring this out with you too. But let's come up with a clear and compelling reason why we meet on Sunday morning. It's a lot of effort and time and money. And we came up with this phrase, formation and mission. And people said, yeah, that's it. And some of you may remember Tracy Commons. But Tracy was in the back. He raised his hand. He said, I think we're close, but I think the middle word is wrong. He said, I think it's formation for mission. That we're actually shaped in order to be sent out. That we realize who God is, and we're formed into being the kinds of people that Jesus is proud of, and then we're sent out to be missionaries cleverly disguised as good neighbors. And we all said, that's it. Formation for mission. Then we started talking about our liturgy, all right, how we do things. It took 17 minutes to come up with our liturgy, which, for the most part, 13 years later, is still with us. Formation for mission. Now, we've talked a little bit about the book of Ephesians, and I do want to encourage you, if you have a Bible, to turn to Ephesians uh, or turn on your app. We're going to be looking at Ephesians a little bit here this morning. Paul writes this letter, as, as Dennis said, writes this letter to a little group of people in a huge cosmopolitan city of Ephesus, which is in the western side of Turkey. Now, I want to just emphasize how huge this place is. Two years ago... I had a chance to visit Greece and Turkey, and the place I was looking forward to the most was going to Ephesus. Ephesus is the crown jewel in terms of all of the ruins of all the places that you can visit in Turkey. It's huge. It took me four hours to just walk through the ruins, just to give you the size of the ruins of this place. And on top of that, archaeologists believe they've only uncovered 10% of the ruins thus far. Think about how massive Ephesus is. And then in the midst of that, there was this little, tiny minority group called Christians. In the midst of this massive, several thousand member cultural center of pagan worship. And this one little group of people over here saying, nope, we really believe there's only one God. That's the context of which Paul is writing to. It's a port city. So lots of traffic going in and out. Lots of new ideas coming in and out of this place. That's the context here. Now, this letter that Paul writes is six chapters. Now, of course, it didn't say chapter three. Now, I want you to know this, right? We put those in later, but it's six chapters in our Bibles. The first, and Paul clearly writes this in two halves. The first half, chapters one, two, and three, he says, this is who God is. This is who God is and what he's done through the person of Jesus Christ. That's the first half. Then the second half, chapters 4 through 6, Paul says, Therefore, because of all that's happened, this is who you are and who you're called to be. First half, this is who Christ is and what Christ has done. Second half, this is who you are and this is who we are called to be because of who Christ has done. So what I want to do is I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And what we're going to do is basically, if you think about it like a door, the book of Ephesians like a door, the first half of the door swings as Christ. The second half then swings open to this side, this way. And so we're going to pick up right where Paul starts in chapter 4 of saying, therefore, because of who Christ is, this is who we are called to be in this little minority group in the midst of this massive cosmopolitan area. Starting in verse 4. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 4. and in all. What a start. What a start, start that Paul is saying. If this is who Christ is, this is who you are. He says, live a life worthy of the calling. that's significant calling on your life. Be humble, be patient, be gentle. And then he says, be one. And he says, if God is one, you need to be one. Not uniformity, but unity together in this. He says, God not only saved and rescued you, he also redeemed you and sent you out so you can be little Christs, little Christians, little Christians out in the world. So, how would Paul answer that question? What is the church for? Well, I'm going to jump down to verses 11 through 16. All right? See how Paul answers this. What is church for? tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, Paul is a master of metaphor. He loves using visual word pictures. Did you catch the three that were there? What are the three just in verses 11 through 16? First, he talks about babies, right? Don't be infants. Then he talks about sailors not being tossed back and forth by the waves. And what's the third one? Talking about the body, right? This idea of ligaments, like an athletic trainer saying the ligament is torn off the bone. We've got to repair it. So what do ligaments do? They attach things in our bodies like giant rubber bands to make sure we stay together and have movement with health. Right? So he uses these all the while. Here's a $100 word for you. ecclesia. Maybe you've heard this before. Ecclesia is the Greek word for church. The, the, the root word in that is kaleo, meaning to call or to call out. We're the called out ones. So Paul's saying... Because the first three chapters, this is who Jesus is, he's saying, cup your ears. Because Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to join me. Kaleo, the ecclesia, we are the called out ones. The redeemed people who are sent to proclaim the rule and the reign of God. Over the last several years, I've tossed around this question. When is the church at its best? Not just when does it exist, when does it bump along? When is it at its best? The church is at its best when it is fully surrendered to Christ and His kingdom. Every one of us fully surrendered to Christ and His kingdom. Not looking to make religious improvements to our own lives, but instead of responding to who God is and giving ourselves fully to who God is as well in loving other people. Right? That's when we're at our best. See, here's the difference of the Goldilocks Christianity. Goldilocks Christianity says, I'm looking for a community for me that suits me. But the kind of church, the ecclesia, that Paul's talking about here is me and us giving ourselves to the community as the community gives itself away to the world in the name of Jesus. That's when the church is at its best. So what what is the church for? I would say this, the church is for anyone who believes that they're sick. (laughs) What? What did Jesus say? Jesus said in Luke 5, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. Now here's the deal. Here's where we lay it on thick. If you think you're healthy, then church isn't the place for you. If you think you can rescue yourself by your own efforts by going to the self-help section of Amazon church probably isn't for you. If you think you can heal yourself through all of your boutique of podcast episodes in a given week, church probably isn't for you. If you're in need of health from this sin-scarred world where our own sin-marred souls are in need of redeeming and healing and having hope and wholeness again, then church is for us. So what are the marks of a church that's truly Understanding of its identity. What are those marks? I've tried to go through the last several years and just look at what are some of those marks. Well, I think we can see some of those marks with Paul, but I think even today, and there are several, but I, just five quick ones I want to give you some marks that I see of healthy churches as what Paul and what we see in the New Testament here. The first one um, is that the, the early church possessed this, and I, I think the healthiest churches I see is that three words Jesus is Lord. Churches that don't see Jesus as some advice giver or good luck charm or some sort of spiritual advisor when it's convenient for us to listen, but that Jesus is Lord. What does that mean, this worldview, this three-word worldview of Jesus is Lord? It means that Jesus, we believe, is the master of the art of living. That Jesus is right about everything. And the lifelong and central purpose of the church is for us to move from unbelief to belief in Jesus in every area of our lives. And when the church helps each other do that, to move from unbelief to belief in Jesus in every area of our lives, we're actually beginning to live that out. The second one is this, is discipleship. You've heard this before. This is a part of who we are at Renew. Jesus isn't just Lord. Jesus is also master teacher, that we do and say what Jesus did and said in every area of our lives. I love what Alan Hirsch said. He wrote, he said, Jesus can do more with 12 committed disciples than with 1,200 religious consumers. Let me say that again. That Jesus can do more with 12 committed disciples than 1,200 religious consumers. Now, last summer on a particularly uh, hot weekend, kind of like like now, I was driving by a church in our area, which I won't name, that out on their church sign, their church marquee, this is what it said. It said, "Join us on Sunday. We have air conditioning." Ex- exclamation point. And I found myself saddened. Really? This revolutionary story of the gospel and we're saying, "Come. Hang out. We'll meet your needs." We would hate for you to be uncomfortable. Now, I'm all for air conditioning. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, we would suffer through the summer without AC in our house. But I begin to look around and say, I don't think this is what the church had in mind to make us that the attractive part of coming to our church, Sunday morning service with other people doing the work for us, so you don't have to be uncomfortable. Dallas Willard had a different idea. He said, imagine driving by a church with a large sign in the front of that church that reads, we teach all who seriously commit themselves to Jesus how to do everything He said. Ever seen a church put that on a church marquee? I haven't. I just read about pithy little jokes and plays on words and puns and service times. I I don't see that. Wouldn't you love to see that in front of every church? Now, if you're keeping score on home, the, the third thing here is mission-oriented posture. I see this as a mark, that the church that is following Jesus measures effectiveness not by what's happening inside of a building, like, like Ben mentioned earlier. And We're not in a building. We never, you know, we, we haven't owned a building in 13 years. Some people think that's weird. But it reminds us all the time that we are people. It is about us together doing this. But it's not about measuring effectiveness by what happens in a building or how many butts are in a seat on a Sunday morning, but instead the impact that we're having in terms of blessing other people. It's not how many people are there on Sunday morning, but how are we blessing people every day of the week in the name of Jesus. the, The fourth mark that I see is that all of God's people are equipped and unleashed. I was smiling as George and Diane are telling their story. I love what Dave said about that there's a line of people waiting. I just said, yes, that's what it means to be the church, that there's a line that's so long that we can't stay because we don't have time. That is what it means to be church. Ephesians 4.11, right? Paul talked about the gifts that are handed out, right? The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. And then, why, why does Paul say that Jesus gives these out? What does it say there in verses thirteen and 12 and 13? To equip God's people to do ministry. It doesn't say to equip the clergy to get done what they want to get done. It says to equip the people, you and me, to be able to do this. Uh, Francis Chan wrote a book called uh, Letters to the Church. And in it, he said, the church is like a zoo. Now, some of you may agree with that, but that's not how he was intending. He wasn't referring to chaos and craziness, although some of that certainly is in every church. But he says that churches sometimes act like a zoo because they put wild and strong animals that are supposed to be out in their natural habitat, and we put them in cages and domesticate them. Yes, people come and feed and take care of these animals in the cages, as, but that's not what they were intended for. If you ever seen the movie Madagascar, it's a Really great movie, but remember the zebra's trying to break out because he knows he's not supposed to be in a zoo. He's supposed to be out in the world, out in his natural habitat. Zoo environments can make you tame and timid, and you can easily adjust to how comfortable and convenient life can be. When other people just, trainers come by every day at 10 o'clock and feed me, and then I can just lazily hang out by the pool as all these gawking tourists look at me. That's not the intent of the church. We need to live like animals in the wild. And so Ever Renew, from the very beginning, we said we're not intended to be a zoo. We're going to pick the lock on the assumptions that this is what we have to be, that we have to be a zoo. So here's good news. Using our gifts, serving others, leading, it is not limited to the young or the healthy or the smart or the charismatic, or the powerful, or the wealthy, or the seminary trained, or the ordained. It is not limited to that. Do you realize throughout the great movements of Christianity in the world, even today in places like Iran and and China, do you realize that a lot of people think the church is growing the most in Iran right now? You know why? You know who's involved in this? Non-clergy older women think about the islamic control that is supposed to be young men with power and wealth in iran what is god doing he's flipping the script and he's saying i'm going to use older often widowed uneducated women in an islamic country to see the church explode i mean i don't know about you that raises the hair on the back of my neck that has implications for us people. That's why Paul wrote in chapter four here, what we just read, as each one does its part, the body builds itself up in love. And then the last one here, a great marker is where faith is practiced, embodied, and lived out. Two of my favorite words over the last couple years are the words praxis and the, words congr- the word congruent. Praxis and congruence. Praxis, of course, sounds like practice, but it's where we, it's an action oriented way. It isn't just ideas, it's lived ideas. It's not just knowledge, it's embodied knowledge. That's praxis, where we don't just talk about prayer or preach for an hour on prayer. We teach on prayer for 10 minutes and say, we're going to go do it for 50. That's praxis. And then congruence, right, where things line up. There's alignment, things match, things marry together. That's congruence. That's in verse 15 where Paul says, but practicing the truth in love, we will in all things grow up in Christ. Praxis, congruence. Praxis, congruence. By the way, most churches are based on a model of information. But the healthiest churches I know and the ones that Paul intended when he writes these letters in the New Testament is for churches to be in formation. Are we going to be the kind of church where it's one word? Or are we going to be the kind of church where it's two words? Are we going to be a church of information or a church in formation? That's what it means, this praxis and this congruence. Now, I'm going to say this slowly. I'm going to say it twice because it's really important. We don't enter the kingdom of God simply by thinking about or listening to one another talk about it. We don't enter the kingdom of God simply by thinking about it or listening to one another. To someone talk about it? We have to experiment together. That's why James 1.22 says, don't just listen to the word of God. You must do what it says. Otherwise, James says, you're just fooling yourself. What an interesting line in our Bible. The way of Jesus can be verified by direct experience and must be practiced to be fully understood. If all we get together It's to just study the Bible, but we have no desire to integrate these words into our lives. Paul says we're just wasting our time. By the way, Jesus said this too. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, one of the the longest sermons that Jesus uh, gave, Matthew chapter 7, at the very end in the message, this is what he says. He says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, congruence, by the way, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, the tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter. Who knew that the word stupid was in the message? There it is. You're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach when a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. So what is church? Who is it for? Who can participate in it? These have implications for us today, here in this park in Souderton, in early June, 2021. By the way, all of these are answered, I believe, in the name of our church. And Dennis touched on this already. Renew. A lot of people say, the Renew community? That doesn't even grammatically make sense. Like, what is that about? I don't think I've ever shared this story publicly of how we got the name of our church, but it happened by accident. <laughs> you know, I'm a very intentional, purposeful guy. I like words. Our, our name of our church came completely by accident. So when we were thinking uh, in 2008, in the spring of 2008 about planting. We didn't have a name. And a friend of mine by the name of Jared Ayers was planting a church in Center City, Philly. And he sent out a prospectus. Now, a prospectus, when you're a church planner, is about 10 or 15 pages. You send it out. It's basically like a business plan for churches when you're starting, saying, this is what we're thinking about doing. These are our values. This is what we're trying to do. Uh, this is how much money we'll need, this is where we're going to, you know, we really believe called to this area of the city, and so he sent me his prospectus, real nice, I mean, I had this high-end designer, it was this beautifully published thing, and over the top of it, in big bold caps letters, it said Renew Philadelphia, and I went, yes, that's an amazing, amazing name for a church, and then I went, You can't have two churches in the greater Philadelphia area planting within the same year with the same name. Ah, that's the perfect name, Renew. And I just couldn't shake it. I mean, I generated and prayed through and looked at different names. We thought for a while about Awaken as the name of a church. And we said, no, no, no. I kept coming back to Renew. And I just had the courage. I just said, I'm going to call Jared. So I picked up the phone and I called Jared. I said, Jared, I trust you. I respect you. If, if you are not OK with this, I, you, I, I can we'll name our church something else. But the more I think about your prospectus in the name of your church, Renew Philadelphia, it's perfect. What do you think? Are we too close? Is it going to be confusing? Are people going to Google and then go to your church when they're trying to come to mine, come to ours and they're trying to come to yours? What do you think? And I just held my breath and he laughed. This big belly laugh. I thought, uh-oh. Okay, I said, Jared, I'm fine. We don't have to. He said, no, 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 no. He said, JR, that's not the name of our church. I meant it as a verb. We're trying to renew Philadelphia. <laughs> I said, do you mean we can actually name our church Renew? He said, go for it. In fact, I'd be honored that you got it from my prospectus. That's how we got the name of our church. And the reason why I love that word is that it's past, present, and future. Right? We have been renewed. 2 Corinthians 5.17. We've been renewed. We're a new creation. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, but we are in the process of having our minds renewed right now, present tense. But when we actually be the kind of church that Paul's talking about, that we actually join with him, that we actually join with him as end re- of Revelation says, we join with Jesus in the renewal of all things. Past, present, future. So when people say to me, it grammatically doesn't make sense. I'm like, yeah, because the renewed, renew, renewing community is too long. You can't say it like that. But we really believe that we're past, present, and future in that. We have been renewed. We're in the process of being renewed. And we join with Jesus in the renewal of all things. We are convinced now, as we were when we started the church, that if we are set and centered on Jesus, that renewal will happen. And we'll be able to live up to our name because Jesus is in the renewal business. Our marriages, our neighborhoods, our broken relationships, our broken bodies, our imaginations, our purpose, our finances, our sexuality, every area of our lives can be renewed. Past, present, and future. The way of Jesus is our way. We are an extended spiritual family. Church is not an activity. It is an identity. And the church is a group of people that believe that the gospel has the power to change us in the midst of authentic community. And we can do all of this because of the gospel. I love the way my uh, uh, guy by the name of Lance Ford says, he says this, God is so great, we don't have to be in control. God is glorious, we don't have to be afraid. God is good, so we don't have to look elsewhere. And God is gracious, so we don't have to earn it. That's the essence of what it means to be the church. And when each one of us does our part, the body is built up. By the way, church is not our idea. This was God's idea. And it, it's the bride of Christ, so it has immense value. And so our job is to steward and join with Jesus and seeing that happen. The last thing I'll say, and I'm gonna close in prayer. I know I'm going a little bit long. I'm getting kind of excited, getting a little fired up here. I, I knew we'd be outside today. Normally I would just print out my notes and put it up here, but one of the things I wanted to avoid are my notes blowing away. So I thought I'm just gonna pull an old notebook off the shelf that I haven't looked at for years. And I thought, oh, this is a pretty good size. You know, I can kind of tape my notes in there. And so after I taped it in, I I looked at the beginning of the notebook, which I hadn't looked at in over a decade, and I flip it open, and it's the spring of 2008. These were my notes of what I believe God was giving me of what this church would be. And with tears in my eyes the last... 24 hours, I've just been flipping through these notes to see that so many of them are still continuing 13 years later. In fact, if some of you want to come and look at it later, you certainly can. It's fascinating. Some of it's made me chuckle. But on one of the pages, I, I wrote down this quote by C.S. Lewis. And he said this about the church. He said, The church exists for nothing else but to draw people into Christ, to make them little Christs. If they are not doing that, he says... All the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. So as we have started this series, I hope this just kind of lays the foundation work. Not of my idea of Renew, of what Jesus had in mind and What Paul, as he's writing to this little tiny minority community in the midst of this booming, huge, cosmopolitan city known around the world for its pagan practice. Paul says, you, following the Holy Spirit, might be a minority with population, but you are a majority when it comes to power if you fully submit to Jesus and what he's up to. I think we can continue to do that as a church moving forward. Let me pray. Lord, uh, thank you for this idea of church. Yes, it's messy. A lot of people here, a lot of us have been wounded by church, me included. And yet, we're still convinced that you're still in control, that it's still worth it, and that we can be at our best when we're fully submitted to you and your kingdom together with other people who aren't doing it perfectly, but who are longing and willing and striving to marry praxis and congruence together in living like Jesus. Lord, may we never be a kind of church that puts out a sign that says, join us Sunday morning, we have air conditioning. (laughs) But may we be the kinds of people that will say, we may make our world a little bit more uncomfortable following Jesus, but we're convinced it's worth it. Come join us. It's not a popular message today, but it's one where there is life Help us to be the kinds of people that steward well, that we have been renewed, we are being renewed, and we join with you in the renewal of all things. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.